2, Philippians chapter 2, our text this morning, we found in verses 12 through verse 18. I know that we read this last week. Um, we had to divide it up. There's so much here. I'm going to break it into two weeks, and so we're going to read that again in its entirety in just a moment. But first of all, I want to welcome you this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. Thank you uh, for leading us in worship already. Um, worship team, come, let us adore him. Let me break this to you as, um, as easily as I can, okay? <clears throat> it's not about you this morning, okay? It's all about, it is all about focusing on the Lord. Yeah, yeah, but I, I had like a really crud week. No, no, no. I need to be warmed. I need to be filled up right now. Understandable. But let us adore Him first and foremost. And He fills and He warms you up as no one else can ever, ever, ever do that. This text before us, Paul imprisoned is writing filled with the Spirit. Things are not going well for him from a human perspective, from a physical perspective. And yet God allows him to do an amazing work for his glory. And that's our prayer for us this morning. Let me direct your attention. We're going to read it right out of the gate. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's bow our heads and go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and our hearts overflow with gratitude that you allow us the privilege of having these few moments together in the busyness of this season, the, the craziness of running to and fro Everything just, everything just stops, becomes silent. 
is, Lord, our prayer this morning, and my prayer is that we would all hear from you. You alone are worthy. We come to adore you. Lord, we do admit and confess that, that it is hard in the world that you've called us to, to live in. There is pain and there is suffering. We ask and, and we plead right now for help and comfort. Lord, at this moment, we think of our brother who was worshiping here with us last week, Bill Sayre, who now lies in hospital. Father, we don't understand your sovereignty, but we rest and trust you. We ask, Lord, for healing and strength and comfort. Lord, we pray for Diana and the family, children and grandchildren. Lord, minister comfort as you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We think, Lord, as already have has been mentioned of brothers and sisters in Christ in faraway land who are suffering as a result of their, their decision to follow you. And God, give them strength. Watch over them. May your perfect sovereign will be accomplished. And may we, Lord, be reminded of the grace upon grace that has been lavishly poured out on us at this season to worship you freely, to sing loudly. God, help us to realize that we are here but for a moment. Our, our lives are but a mist. And we need your strength to be faithful to the calling that you've placed before us as we seek and desire and need your help to shine brightly as lights in a dark world. Father, I, I personally just ask that you would guide me in this time this morning. clarity of thought and mind and speech. May everything that is said and done uh, draw attention to you and to you alone. Speak and may your children hear. And if there's someone here that, that does not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask this now in a strong and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> A guy by the name of Jack was out for a hike. He was hiking um, at quite a significant elevation, and he was walking actually along a, a trail that, that ran along a very steep cliff, a drop-off, just enjoying the beauty of creation, enjoying the sights and scenery around him. And as he was looking out at the beauty of creation, he, his foot slipped and, and actually slid over the edge and, and literally just grasping, knowing it was a it was it was a thousand foot drop. Just grasping, he, he literally held on to it. It was a root that was kind of coming out of the side of, of the cliff and he and it, he caught and he held on to the root. He was holding on. Scared to death. And and, and as he held on as long as he could, he knew he, he couldn't hold on much longer. He's just crying out, Help! Help anyone up there. This complete silence. And he's holding on to this, this root, literally dangling. And he, he couldn't hold on any longer. He heard a voice. He heard a voice. It sounded something like this. Jack! Jack, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but, but who are you and, and where are you? I'm the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You, you, you mean God? That, that's me. God, please help me. I promise if you get me down from here, I'll, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a great person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises there, Jack. Let's just get you down from there and then we can talk. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen very carefully. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. Just tell me what you want me to do. Okay, Jack. Let go of the branch. What? I said, Jack, let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. Long, long period of silence. Finally, Jack yells up. Is anyone else up there? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like life, isn't it? Where, where we are confronted with the choice of whether or not we're going to trust God or not. I mean, it seems hard. It's hard to do that. We're confronted with the choice. Are you going to choose to trust God, His Word that has been given to us? You're going to go with alone. Do, do it on your own. We have been learning in this book so far in Philippians chapter 2. I can't believe it's been a couple months and we're still in chapter 2, but we're, we're gaining ground. We're learning, Lord willing. And we have been reminded that the Apostle Paul is, is choosing, even under house arrest, he doesn't know what, what, what tomorrow holds. And yet he's, he's choosing to trust God. And in the midst of of choosing to trust God, he's choosing to rejoice in the midst of suffering. He, he knows coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's reminded us of that. The Holy Spirit has spoken to us, prepare for that time. In doing, in, 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 in doing that... He encourages us, just as we saw last week, that, that we're to work out our salvation. Like work out, just, just the idea of sweating or straining or going to the gym. And this is hard, work out. Yeah, but that's what we're called to do. As God works in you, to willing to do His good pleasure. Why? Why? Because we live in a twisted, twisted world. We live in a dark world. And we are called to shine as bright lights in a dark world. We talked about one thing, just the first thing that you can do. You really want to you really trust God. You, you want to show that you can rejoice in the midst of hardship. Be, be light in darkness. The first piece of instruction. The, this is at the front of the list. He says this, I want you to do all things without grumbling or disputing. Could he have not started with something else? Just this week as I was waiting in a line, long line. You jingle your keys a little bit and you shuffle your feet. Ugh! 
And I was reminded, don't whine. Don't complain. There's such a long list of things that we can complain about. You ever eat lunch next to a person who's just like slurping their soup the entire time? Like that's a reason to complain, right? No, not according to what we see in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul literally tells us, if you, you want to have impact, you want to live with purpose on mission in this world, you want to work out your salvation, you want to show others what it looks like to have God work in your life. You want to bring pleasure to your heavenly Father's name and shine. You just guard your mouth. Quit whining. Top of the list. And yet, today we're going to look at two more things in that list of what we need to do in order to shine. It's bright lights in the dark world. The second one is this. Lead with the gospel. We know that complaining is not going to ever, ever, ever have any positive effect on other people. So we, we take that, we put it on the list. Okay, we, we, we're, we're going to work on guarding our mouths. And the second piece of instruction is that what it says this in verse 16. It's interesting. It says, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. Immediately, you think about what? You've got to hold on tight here. If we are to lead with the gospel, you need to understand a little bit about it here. It's interesting by the way the word choice that the Apostle Paul chooses to use. It's the Greek word echo. And it's, it's probably a little bit more accurately understood, even by the translation of the older King James Version, that it says, holding forth the word of life. And, and that maybe helps a little bit. It's interesting here that it's intentionally different than a term that Paul chooses to use in a lot of his writings. Okay, Paul was a hold-on-tight guy. We know that what? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in, in verse 2, he says, hold fast to the word. Literally, it's like, hold on to this. We know that in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 19, Paul talks about holding fast or holding tight to the faith. We know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul uses the term hold fast or hold tight to that which is good. And so it seems initially at first read that he's saying, hold on to this. But it's in the, it's, it's, it's in the present tense, and yet it's not necessarily a command to hold, but rather it says holding and it's important, it's necessary to understand because it's not just about holding on to. It actually is talking about the idea of holding out. Isn't that amazing? Did you get that? No, 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 no. Like, I know that Paul talks about hold on to this, hold on to this. You got to know this. No, in this particular context, he's specifically mentioning it's not a command to hold on to. It's rather instruction to hold out, to hold forth. Think of it like this. As I walk into a room, the first thing that enters is this word, is this word. That's what Paul's talking about right here. Big picture, back it up. Okay, we're, we're not supposed to be grumbling and complaining because we're to shine brightly in, in, in a dark world. We live in a twisted kind of generation. We are working out as God works in us. And so, so in a sense, we lead 
with the word of life. What is this word of life? It's an island in Scroon Lake, New York, with a really good buffet, right? Word of life, you've heard of that? Actually, it's more than that in this particular text. The word of life is the word that gives life. It is scripture. It is the Bible. Specifically, it is a central message that is found within the entire Bible, and that is what? What we refer to as the good news or the gospel. So what's interesting is that if we are to be obedient to Scripture and shine bright, we lead with this book. Unique from any other book. Unique from all books. Written over a span from start to finish of over 1,500 years. More than 30 different authors have contributed. And yet we know that, according to the second Timothy chapter 3, that God, God inspired every single one of those authors to write exactly and specifically and precisely what he wanted. We know that this word is without any error. It's infallible. It's inerrant. We know it's divided into two. What, the Old Testament, 39 Old Testament books, and 27 New Testament books. And what's interesting about this, and that's why we encourage people to read it from start to finish, is that, that from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, it holds one simple and single message all the way through it, all the way through the entire Bible. It begins with what? Sovereign God, and, and as we are reminded, and as I reminded you, first thing this morning is that this book's not about you. The book is about God, and, and it talks about the fact that God will receive all glory. And that He is a sovereign God with no beginning and no ending. He always says He exists. He created everything with a spoken word out of nothing. The beauty of all creation that surrounds us. That's, a, that's the story of creation that we see in the very first book. And, and yet with all of the wonderful, perfect creation, at the very pinnacle, the very height of all things that God has ever created, it was mankind, man and woman, Adam and Eve, uniquely created from anything and everything else as what that which is created in his own image. To reflect his own glory. We know the story. We know that Adam and Eve were given what? Full, full freedom and reign to enjoy every piece. Perfect beauty in the Garden of Eden. Except one thing. Don't touch that one tree. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it was a long period of time. I don't think it was years. I don't think it was months. I don't think it was days. I think it was hours. Just my personal feeling. I have no, we're not told how long. I think, that, I think they race to it. The way, that I, the way that you and I race to that, which oftentimes just destroys our relationship and fellowship with the Holy God. Adam and Eve raced to this tree. Disobeyed God as a result. What God cursed them with sin and death. Created with purpose to be in relationship and enjoy intimate fellowship. And yet because mankind chose to sin, God is holy. It created this chasm that cannot, that cannot be closed. 
So God had an amazing plan, and he begins with a promise, and he works all the way down through intricately and weaves the life of one, the life of one. Everything in the Old Testament points to the life of that one. We see Jesus everywhere. So excited. I love Christmas time. I love Christmas time. Because it points to that one, the greatest gift that is offered. The Lord Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven to come down to a smelly, stinking stable. Lived a perfect, sinless life, mistreated and lied about, wrongly convicted and was tortured, brutally beaten, whipped, pierced, crucified. We know that the story continues that Jesus Christ did not stay dead but three days later he rose again all all of our greatest holidays the entire year center around the birth of jesus and the resurrection of jesus and we are reminded all the way through scripture in isaiah chapter 53 it says by his stripes we are healed sinful man and a holy god and there's no way unless we put our faith our trust, we choose. Trust me. Just let go and trust me. But it makes no logical sense. No, just trust me. By his stripes, we are healed. We're brought into full relationship. Romans chapter 5, it says, For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. God's grace literally given overflows and we receive that. But today we're confronted with a choice if you're going to accept him or not. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Christ has made us, or Christ has set us free. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Do you, do you understand in the twisted world that we live in why we need to lead? We lead with this. We walk in a room. This is what we lead with. It is so needed today. This season, this season, perhaps more than any other, we get a little reminder of, of the angel that said what? I bring you good tidings of great joy. And we can't be ashamed of that. We, we, we put this, I, I actually knew a student in, in high school, a time that what you're just trying to be cool and figure things out, and, and he would take his Bible and he would put it on top of the stack of all of his other books. And every classroom, every, every hallway, every time in between switching class to class, the Bible was on the top of his stack of books. People mocked him or made fun of him or knocked it off his desk. But he led with that. Allows us what? It allows us to grow big and strong when we work out our salvation as God works in us. 
Number one, this is what we need to learn this morning. Lead. Don't just hold on to, hold out for others to hear and see that first. Secondly, number two, learn to rejoice because of the gospel. Learn to rejoice because of the gospel. Paul actually concludes this, this, this great text, this momentous text in verse 18 with his idea, be glad and rejoice with me. Be glad and, and rejoice, even if I'm going to be poured out as, a, as an offering. Even my life is going to end here on this earth. I want you to be glad and to rejoice with me. That's our, that's our call this morning. And can I, can I be blunt? Can I be direct? Can, can I be perfectly honest as we are commanded and instructed? Just, just, just be glad and, and just rejoice. That is really, that is really, really hard instruction. I'm not saying that the gospel is hard to rejoice in. That's the good news. That's the best news. But what I'm saying is, is this. The time that we have been called to live in, the generation that we've been called to live in, the place and the setting and the surroundings that we are called to rejoice in is hard. You look around us at the pain and the hardship. It's no secret. It's a perfect description, a crooked and a twisted world. Crooked and a twisted world, and that makes it hard. So how do we, like, how do, we do that? How do we do that? Just, just what, pretend that you don't see the pain, the suffering, just, just kind of like blindly rejoice. How do, how do we do this according to what God's Word instructs us? This past Wednesday night, it was an absolute, absolute joy for me to serve alongside the New Life students um, at the gymnasium, Rogers Gym, at the LHU campus. And I think this is the, the third year, the sixth consecutive semester that, that many of you have just have made pancakes. You start here, you, you make them and you take them to the kids and it's finals week and it's late at night and they're hungry and kind of grumpy at some level and we just want to love on them and here's a pancake i don't know who came up with this idea but the idea works supposedly you start serving pancakes at 11 p.m what's interesting is kids already are kids are already i was there a quarter of and kids were already lining up for seconds some of them some of them and so it's just a flood of kids Long tables, and they're just, and people are running around serving, and, and there's kind of like that initial crush for like the first hour. Hundreds, hundreds of kids looking for more plates. Is Walmart open? We need some more paper plates here. It's a good problem. And so you don't get, in a lot of that chaos, you don't get a lot of kind of one-on-one time until there's a little bit of a lull. It was well after midnight, 12.15, 12.30. I finally got a chance to sit down at a table. I'm older than I used to be. I used to leg that thing out, no problem. I sat down at a table, a couple guys on their thirds, two football players, a young kid, a basketball player, a freshman, he's six foot seven, a couple other young guys, and, and I began to just talk with them. It's, it's, not, it's not really, literally, you just, you just kind of, and I talked about this idea. I said, I, I, was, I was actually just 
They don't know. They don't have a clue who I am. They don't care who I am at many levels. And I'm talking about the fact, you know, I was just reading something. I said it's, it's, it, it talks about the fact that we live in a twisted world. And they look up at me and like, yeah, you better believe it. It's twisted. I'm like, tell me about it. I mean, how, like, how twisted's your world? And they just went on. Like, it's twisted, like all over the place. Whatever that word is, it's just like, it's not supposed to be like this. And at some level, I was, I was, I was heavily convicted in the sense that these, these guys are younger than my children, than our children. They're younger than that. They're 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. I thought about this. They're living in a twisted world that, in a sense, we're handing to them. It's my, it's, it's our generation. In a sense, has what? It, it has at some level. Kind of kind of put everything upside down. And and so so here you go. Here you go, guys. Here you do. Do the best you can. This is this is what we offer you. And, and at some level, I was like, forgive me for this world being so twisted. I, I was like, hey, sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. Yet we're told, we're told, according to what it says in Scripture, to rejoice. Rejoice when terrorism spreads around the globe. Re rejoice when we actually talk and hear about humans being trafficked. Little, little, little girls being picked up and sold. That's like, that exists in the world. That's a twisted, dark world. Just rejoice. Rejoice in a world where, where skepticism and cynicism literally leads like every conversation that anyone has. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that we live in a political world that is more polarized, more secularized, more divided than any generation I've ever read about. Just rejoice in that. Rejoice when... People hear of a literal creation. Like, yeah, God really spoke everything into existence from nothing, like in six days, and then he had the rest on the seventh. And they mock, rejoice in the world with creation, a literal flood, a virgin birth, a resurrected Savior, a literal hell. People mock that and make fun of that. An inspired word, every word God breathed. And people will line up to make fun of you about that. Rejoice in that world. A world where God himself, a holy God, that in his grace created you and gives you life and breath, is mocked and ridiculed and scorned. You look, you look around, and, and you're like, yeah, excuse me, not a lot of reason to rejoice in that. And yet you and I uniquely are told, no, I, I want you to be. I want you to. Why? Because I bring you good tidings of great joy. It's this season. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, this little town tucked away in nowhere, a Savior is Christ the King. Well, how, how, do, like, how does that translate? Sitting at the table with those boys and talking about a twisted world. And after 20, 30 minutes, one of the kids says, hey, he goes, uh, you want to come to my basketball game? 
uh, yeah, in January, back after break, and thought maybe you'd come to my game. And I'm like, man, I'd love to come to your game. And uh, he's like, well, give, give me your phone. He goes, I'll airdrop you my schedule. <laughs> Gave my phone, and he airdropped me. <laughs> I just felt like so cool. <laughs> you want some more pancakes, man? And, 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 and you know what's, you know what's going to happen after is that, hey, why don't, why don't we go grab a coffee? I, got, I have nothing to offer you. That was a really good basketball move. Like, that's all I got to offer on that. But I, te- I, tell you where, I tell you where I pray, God, give me the opportunity that this conversation why? Because we lead with that. We live with this ahead of us. You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dark. It doesn't matter how twisted. It doesn't matter how crooked. It doesn't matter how wrong. It doesn't matter how divided. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as an offering, even if I am taken out of this world, he says this, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Oh, man. He says it lovingly, but boldly. And he concludes with this, I want you also to be glad. I'm going to be, I want you to be glad and rejoice. And I underline these two little words at the end of my Bible, with me. There's something about this. There's something about this idea that there is incredible comfort that we don't have to do this by ourselves. We do this together. Paul says, I'm going to be rejoicing. I want you to join me in this. I don't want any one of us off on our own. That's why the beauty of God's design is what? He glorifies himself through all of us together rejoicing. Not one over there and one over there. No, we all do this together. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's going to be hard. But I tell you what, it is, it is worth it. It will be worth it. A lot of people don't realize, a lot of people you don't know. Last Sunday, we were worshiping here, December the 9th. About 12 hours before we were singing praises to our heavenly, holy Father. About 12 hours before we met here, there was another group of believers, brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who were meeting in China. Listen to this. Nearly 100 members of the early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu, China, were arrested last December the 9th. Among those taken away were Pastor Wang Yi, senior pastor of early Rain, and his wife, Jian Rong, who have not been heard of from or since last Sunday. What's interesting is this, foreseeing the circumstance, knowing what was brewing, Pastor Wang Yi wrote the declaration below. He wrote a letter to be published by his church should he be detained for more than 48 hours. I do not have the time to read the entire letter. We can make that available to you. I would encourage you to read that. But by Tuesday, this letter was released to the world. I will read excerpts. Listen to this. On the basis of the teachings of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. 
For God deposes kings and raises up kings. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on the Bible about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I am filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at the wickedness of their depriving people of the freedoms of religion and of conscience. But, but, changing social and political institutions is not the mission I have been called to, and it is not the goal for which God has given his people the gospel. For all hideous realities and unrighteous politics and arbitrary laws manifest or make known the cross of Jesus Christ. The only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also manifest the fact that true hope and a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our own sins being freely forgiven by Christ and in the hope of eternal life. There's only ever been a thousand-year church. There has never been a thousand-year government. There is only eternal faith. Those who lock me up will one day be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with, fills me with a natural compassion and a grief toward those who are tempting to and actively imprisoning me. Pray that the Lord would use me, that he would grant me patience and wisdom that I may take the gospel to them. Separate me from my wife. And children. Ruin my reputation. Destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead. And so respectable officers, stop committing evil. This is not for my benefit, but rather for yours and your children's. I plead earnestly with you to stay your hands. For why should you be willing to pay the price of eternal damnation in hell for the sake of a lowly sinner such as I? Jesus is the Christ, son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant, and I am prison, and I am in prison because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. Did, 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 you, did you catch that last phrase? I will joyfully, 
joyfully, joyfully violate all laws that violate God's. How, how, wait a minute, how, like, how does this happen? Like, this is a twisted, this is a twisted and a, and a crooked, some translations use the, the word correctly, a perverse world. And yet the instruction is what? Be glad and rejoice with me. Be glad and rejoice with me. So let me encourage you this morning, let me encourage you this morning to live your life upon the foundation of that which matters for all of eternity. The foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of how dark or difficult your life may be, we have no idea. May we learn by our brother and sisters in Christ who are at this moment suffering for the... May we learn from them. May we love them and faithfully pray for them as they strive to be an example for us of what it means to truly shine as bright lights in a dark, dark, dark world. Father, we, we ask for your help. We plead for your strength. We thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. There's no sin that will ever separate us from your love. Father, and there's no doubt that we live in a world that at many levels is just, it's just discouraging to look at, to live in. Thank you, Lord, that this morning, this morning, there's reminders and hope of, of what we do and what you've called us to do and how you've called us to live. God, I would ask that you would bring comfort and strength, continued strength to those who are suffering abroad. May we be faithful in our prayers. Father, we thank you for the church that you have blessed right here. As you have called us, purposed us to live as lights, may we do that faithfully, faithfully, for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. now um, as we just come before the Lord with a song of, of submission. I'm learning how to live with open 